0: Due to adult content, parental discretion is advised. To begin.
1: Are you watching closely? To begin.
0: I just I'm bored. I'm gonna start. What plaything can you offer me today? Here's the deal. Just
2: give me the facts. Just the facts. Only the facts. Breathe. Focus. Keep it simple. No, 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 no doubt, no doubt. Okay. Welcome to Cock and Bowl Minute, a Tristram Shandy story, a podcast in which, eventually. Ostensibly, at some point, we will be talking about the 2005 film Tristram Shandy, A Cock and Bull Story, One Minute at a Time. Good Lord, what is this story all about? Cock and a Bull Story. Here's your host, me, Robert Black. And we're here with guest Professor Sarah Black to talk about Group 10 in the bracket Life is a House versus Mother.
1: So, when I saw both of these movies on the list even though i don't normally podcast i love them so much i just wanted to be able to talk about both of them so
2: for the listeners in case you haven't seen it you suck and you should watch it (laughs) life is a house is written by mark andrus directed by erwin winkler stars kevin klein hayden christensen Kristen scott thomas jenna malone mary steen and a bunch of other people and is essentially short version of the plot Guy loses his job at an architect firm and finds out he has cancer, and I think it's the same day. Yes. And then decides he wants to spend the summer with his very troubled teenage son building a house before he dies.
1: So I wanted to talk about the larger setting first. So the society under late stage capitalism, this movie. Was well premiered in 2001, so right at the turn of the, the new millennium. So, the larger setting of what's happening is we kind of see a cause and effect going backwards. We start with Sam. So, one of the first scenes, might be the first scene, I don't remember, is scene, yeah. um, of his attempted suicide. Um, he's consuming drugs, he consumes music, he's doing body modifications. All to try to either control his feelings and also to feel nothing at all. um, But all of his consumption, which is a very millennial type of consumption, drugs and music and body modification, is just leading to his further emptiness. He's not really connecting with his father. He doesn't have a relationship with his father and hasn't since he was young. He also doesn't really fit into the new family that his mother created. And so we see that consumption not working out peter who is the new husband is financially successful he owns an expensive house filled with expensive things but that doesn't allow him to either create intimacy with his wife who's still in love with her ex-husband or his kids later in the film his son says he doesn't even miss him when he's been gone george who's the central character he puts his heart and creativity into his work his work being architectural models But he's replaced by a machine and then further dehumanized in the way that he gets fired. When he's fired, he's denied access to his own creations. So essentially, he has only created for other people for the purpose of consumption. And that dehumanization that hits him, we see the scene of him destroying those models, which is a really beautiful scene because if you divorce people from their creations... You're going to shatter their sense of self-worth. You're going to shatter their identity. And they are going to to lash out.
2: What's even so, made worse retroactively because later he... I don't remember how explicitly he says or just implies that he never felt like he was accomplishing anything at his job. Which I wrote about in Groundhog Day Project. I actually found that somewhat hard to believe. Because sitting and building a model is like this process where you can focus on just that and be apart from everything else. But maybe he started that job when he needed to be paying attention to other things, and so it just retroactively feels like he was doing the wrong things. Or it's that pain at the end of it when he has to destroy them because, they're yeah, as you said, they're taking them away from him. And his creations are now meaningless. They're going to be replaced.
1: Yeah, the fact that he's divorced from his work, it doesn't really belong to him it is his creation but he's especially when he's fired he's taken out of the picture it's like he doesn't even matter at all the fact that they're his creations are irrelevant they only served in terms of purchase or well yeah and and
2: later in the film when he like people start showing up to help build the house no one from work shows up he doesn't have friends from work
1: segwaying into the the houses themselves because of course that's a the house allegory is a major central focus for life as a house and mother. You get in Life as a House a similar comparison between houses as you do in Wuthering Heights, which is a gothic novel that was published in 1848 by Emily Bronte. It's my favorite book of all time. <laughs> so in Wuthering Heights, you have the Wuthering Heights house, which is very dark. It's very rooting, It's falling apart. And this is very similar to George's dark, musty garage. It's even brought up several times that there's no separation between where he sleeps and where he defecates, which is like a very id, primal, dark thing. And then you get Peter's house, which is akin to Thrushcross Grange. It represents wealth and success. The superego, but the superego also has problems because it's not a house of warmth or intimacy either. It's a house of material wealth and success. The intimacy, or what's beautifully created in the film, comes in the new house reconciling both the id and the superego to create something that, while the house itself won't last forever, what's created in the building of the house is really important, and talk about that in a little bit.
2: And the house actually doesn't exist as it was built for the film anymore, either it was transferred by... Apparently a group led by the costume designer, who had nothing to do with building it, but they moved it to Brentwood, I think it is, and it is now a library at an elementary school. It has become a thing, but a very different thing than it is in the movie.
1: One of the things that I love the most about this film is how it deals with intergenerational trauma in a way that you've seen thousands more movies than I have, so maybe you'd be able to make a comparison, but I can't think of another movie that deals with intergenerational trauma as well as this one does. Some, some sub-themes would be abuse, addiction, and alienation. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how abuse plays into the role of the, the intergenerational trauma the addiction that that all of them have and then how that abuse leads to addiction which eventually, eventually leads to alienation and then that trauma needs to needs to be resolved so in terms of abuse if we look at George's father he represents the oldest generation in the film it's the silent generation so the silent generation in the early 19 19- um, these are people who were born in the 1920s and 1930s. They're the children of world, of the World Wars. They were told not to, not to talk about things. The way that you be strong is not to talk about things, not to discuss things. And so what we see is George's father abusing his mother, both physically and also psychologically. He mentions in, in one scene that he beat his mother so badly that she had to wear sunglasses indoors. George internalizes this abuse. He's not really able to be present as a father to Sam. He leaves Sam when he's six. and He doesn't really make effort to maintain a relationship with him. He's also unable to function as a husband. While it's not explicitly stated why George and Robin divorce, it is implied that George is unable to create and maintain emotional intimacy with his wife because he hasn't addressed his past traumas. We see George not understanding intimacy at all. He clearly loves his son, but the only way he's able to show his love, especially earlier in the film, is through control. So Mm -hmm. he tries to control Sam by making him remove his makeup and making him remove his jewelry. There's a lot of heteronormativity in this film that feels kind of out of date watching it 20 years later, but...
2: I think Kevin Klein is, <laughs> and Kristen Scott Thomas are just old enough that it makes sense as a parenting Ooh, style. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, watching it now, it feels like that wouldn't—you would hope that wouldn't be what's what they're doing.
1: Oh well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's very much if we look at the Silent Generation, Boomer Generation, Millennial Generation of the three main characters in the film, then it absolutely fits as how Boomers tended to tended to parent their children, and then we don't see all of the future but we can very easily imagine sam would not parent his own child that way but he makes him stay with him for the summer he's offering him material things even simple things like garlic bread which he smashes against the wall when sam rejects it there's a lot of explosive anger in this film and that's what happens with trauma if you don't address it uh-huh. it explodes in in anger and so that needs to be needs to be addressed
2: Regarding your question about intergener- intergenerational trauma, it's probably a small part of lots of movies, but I don't—I couldn't think of an obvious one that was a major element. Mm-hmm. But I looked just in the top thirty-six movies for mm-hmm. this bracket. There's a little bit of that in Hedwig and the Angry Inch, but I think Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which we haven't gotten to yet mm-hmm. in the show, is very much like that's a centerpiece of that generations and how different traumas affect one to the next.
1: Moving on to to addiction, we see that. George's father is, we don't see, because George's father isn't actually in the film, but George discusses his father's DUI. I don't think it's that far of a leap to imagine that his father is addicted to alcohol if he is, if he's having DUIs. At least in cinematic cinematic terms, that's what we're supposed to assume. (laughs) This alcohol is contributing to the, to the abuse. It's contributing to him driving under the influence, killing his mother, and Injuring a young, a young girl so badly that her, her life is now in a wheelchair. So George has to carry the guilt of his father's atrocities and he overuses Vicodin, Vicodin himself to deal with pain. We know he has cancer. I'm sure he's in a lot of pain, but they make it a point for Sam to say that even if he's, if he's ill, he's, right, using he's, he's a lot also of pain.
2: not just on painkillers. He's on some other drug that even Sam isn't quite sure what it is but says he'd like it. So he should hide it better.
1: Yeah. And we also see that Sam is an addict who's dulling his pain with any substance available Mm -hmm. to him and he's addicted or open to using any kind of drugs but this isn't always the case with body modification and with various types of self-harm or attempted suicide but a lot of that stems from the same type of Addiction as well,
2: and clearly his does. <laughs> even if even if you don't want to generalize and say everyone who like modifies their body or wear, colors their hair or wears yeah. unusual makeup, which even that term is problematic, yeah. <laughs> even if not everyone that does it does it for that, we are expressly told in the film that's the case with him, and it's used as a specific visual metaphor. That as the movie goes on, we don't see him removing stuff, mm-hmm. but gradually he has. His earrings are gone. The stud in his under his lip is gone. Even his hair has grown out over the course of filming and over the course of the summer in the movie, so that there's less blue in it.
1: Yeah. And in terms of addiction, we it ties back to the abuse because they're unable to. George's father is unable to create. An intimate relationship with his wife he's unable to deal with his traumas he's unable to deal with his addiction and then we see george being unable to form authentic connections with people and then sam is also unable to to do the same thing so the house essentially that his father created for him was built on a foundation of fear of pain of being made small which he talks about in that scene with sam and that's rendered him incapable of being a good husband or a father until he's able to acknowledge through discussing particularly painful childhood memories with his son the trauma so we see that trauma first start to heal through george's discussions with people he has to talk about what happened so george talks to talks to Sam. He tells Sam stories of of his father, and that's the first step of healing. Storytelling is a really important Mm -hmm. form of healing. And Sam, like many millennials, again, he's turned his trauma inward. So this alienation or this isolation, we see, of course, earlier in the film that George expresses in a hospital. When he learns that he has incurable cancer and only months to live, that he hasn't been touched by another human in years, so very explicitly stating that he does not have intimacy in his life. So not only has he lost the ability to meaningfully create in his work, he's also lost the ability to create and sustain any type of personal intimacy in his life. And he has this realization that if he dies without creating intimacy that he hasn't left anything behind
2: which the comparison there is a good one because at his work he creates models of houses designed by other people so he's separated that extra step from the actual creative process similarly he is separated from what should be intimacy with his wife previously we learned that he dated the, na- the neighbor colleen at some time since he's divorced his wife that clearly didn't go well because he and colleen are kind of They're friendly, but a little antagonistic toward each other. And when offered the chance at intimacy with his ex-wife in the present, that's the moment he decides to tell her he's dying from cancer. So he still has that, it's almost like a defense mechanism in the timing where he still is having trouble, at least with her. He's getting something with his son, but not with her. And then later, Colleen's daughter kisses him, and he's on drugs at the time, so he seems to enjoy it. But he doesn't participate in it. It's not an active, intimate moment for him.
1: Yeah. We know that after... Well, I do think that George and Robin have bonded, have created some type of intimacy. But after their bonding, he tells her that she should stop coming by the house so much.
2: In this case, I meant physical intimacy. There's Mm -hmm. clearly intimacy going on because she comes by, she brings food, he eats it, she... (laughs) she, ostensibly brings it for their son but he eats it too and she helps with the building she helps with this constructing something new and brings her sons who aren't even his
1: and he gets to be
2: close to them so
1: in terms of resolving the trauma when george asks sam to build the house with him here is where he's verbalizing or really asking for for what he needs and he's asking sam to choose connection over autonomy he's asking sam to choose intimacy over isolation and i know when we talk about intimacy a lot of people go toward physical intimacy so when i started thinking about george and robin who i still do want to talk about a bit meant more emotional intimacy and then resolving their their past relationship so of course when i'm speaking about george's intimacy with with sam that's an emotional intimacy of their father-son relationship So at this point, when George asks him for this, he's had time to confront and reflect on his job loss. He's had time to reflect on his mortality. And so when he takes this little bit cliche, but leap of faith by jumping into the lake, his baptism earlier in the film, he's ocean, sorry. (laughs) He's uh, made the conscious choice to repair what he's destroyed. He's making Uh a very conscious decision here. And so he wants to, repair his marriage not necessarily rebuild a marriage but he right. wants to repair he wants to the fix the damage yes. yes and he also wants to fix his relationship with his son and essentially recreate a house that's truly his that's not built on that rotten foundation that his father gave and gave to him and also not built on a capitalistic or an impersonal notion Well yeah the of whole
2: house death. is funded on his severance pay from having been fired so
1: and so yeah, he wants to to create something on a new foundation that's built on trust and love. It's understandable at this point in the film that Sam isn't quite there yet. He hasn't had all of that time to emotionally process everything, no. and he doesn't even know that George is, is dying at this point. And also, Sam would be justifiably angry if his father's essentially been out of his life since he's six years old, and then just decides... There is some male ego in both of these things. Yeah. George decides that he has to rectify the situation but he, while he is doing things for Sam's own good he doesn't seem to really give a lot of thought on how his son would feel about him just taking him from his home ten years later. Not that we
2: see. Uh, we At the beginning of the film, the movie kind of skips. You talk about him in the mm-hmm. hospital. He's in the hospital for four days mm-hmm. by himself and so we can assume he had some reflection on what he wants to do over the summer and he wants to get Sam because he's already been asked by Robin to take Sam for the summer. Even though neither one of them thinks Sam would want to do it. Yeah. like He's already made this decision. We don't see the process. We see the results. And so it comes abruptly. And it almost makes George look like he is taking the wrong approach. Because, as you said earlier, yeah. he, he his impulse is to yell at his son and control his son. And tell him he has to get in the vehicle now. They're leaving. And take that thing out of his chin. And like, take off his makeup. It's what he knows how to do because, partly because his father was that way as well, until he realizes in the scene you've referenced a couple of times, that he doesn't want to make Sam small. He wants to make him a bigger and better person.
1: Yeah.
0: My dad used to play this game. I never really even understood what it was till after he was gone. I was holding for somebody else. It wasn't even mine. The game? was to make me smaller than he was. Smaller, always smaller. No matter what, he could be almost invisible as a human being, but I still had to be smaller. So that if I got good grades in school, then I was a pussy for not playing football. Or, or, or if I cut my hair for him, it was never short enough. Or if I shaved my head, then I looked like a psycho. I never won the game, never. And if he couldn't make me smaller with words, I'll have to pay him back. Sam. I won't ever hit you. Never. I don't want you smaller. I want you to be happy. You're not. Not here with me. Not home with your mother. Not alone. Not anywhere. You're what I was most of my life, Sam i see it in your eyes in your sleep in your answer to everything you're barely alive i'm not even listening you know the great thing though is that change can be so constant that you don't even feel the difference until there is one it can be so slow that you don't know that your life is better or worse until it is or it can just blow you away Make you something different in an instant it Happened to me build this house with me come
1: on. and i do think that the film does a really nice job of having us empathize with george even in those moments we can understand why he's mm-hmm. doing what he's doing so he doesn't come across It may help that we start the, the film end.
2: on Sam. Like, I essentially, al- almost killing himself as he breaks the rod in his closet. And, like, he's huffing and sticking a belt around his neck. And it makes us realize Sam needs something.
1: Well, and that's a very specific, deliberate choice. If we look out working working backwards, what is the result of trauma that's unresolved? That's mm-hmm. It's just going to be... Death. It's just going to be destruction. It's just going to be be pain. This is we're seeing up front what happens if there is no resolution to the trauma. It's, that's that's what happens, and so we're confronted with the uh, worst case scenario. No, <laughs> not
2: worst case. Maybe there, there could be much worse. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but do think that's what we're shown so that we work back from Sam to George to George's father. And then we can see how all of these events and then come
2: forward again for the end of the film as well.
1: Yes, exactly. And so we, we see that destruction is imperative to creation. We have to destroy in order to, to create, we have to destroy that, which does not serve us because if we don't destroy or tear that down, then we can't make room or space to create something better.
2: Which will come back up when we talk about Mother. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so this is one of the major themes that ties together, um, or that connects both Some movies.
2: Some of the pairings in this bracket just ended up together. Some of them work really well, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think this one works really well. So if we try to recreate or rebuild without addressing or resolving past traumas, we could have something aesthetically beautiful. We could have that architectural model of a house, but it's just a temporary sap. It's going to quickly dissolve because the decay underneath that's the foundation is going to, it's just going to eat it away. So the father and son both have to smash away at the walls that led to their isolation and alienation, both from each other and from the world. Quote from the movie, this all has to come down before we can start again. And then Sam says to his father, 25 years of hating what you lived in or what you live in, the diseased mind, hating what you are. So Sam also says at one point that he's tearing his father down. He has to let go and process his own trauma, the trauma of his parents' divorce. He has to decide what type of man he wants to be and create his own identity. So one of the things that also ties both films together is the transitional nature of the process of building and creation. All of creation and destruction is transitional. That's right. just the theory of entropy. Everything is going to either be in a state of creation or be in a state of destruction. Nothing is static.
2: Thank you for listening. This has been Cock and Bowl Minute, a Tristram Shandy story. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cock Bowl Minute, or find us in the Facebook listeners group, Cock and Bowl Pub. Find more content at lemmingdrops.com.